name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. Today, we've got a guest from a company you may never have heard of, but certainly their technology has impacted your life. If you're in the hospitality industry, you're absolutely familiar with them. Brian Wayne, who's the Vice President of Customer Success for QSR Automations. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Shandy. I'm excited uh, to join you today. Yeah. So you guys have so many different products for the hospitality industry, which is amazing. The customers on the other end may or may not be able to see that, right? So given that technology has become such an important part of the restaurant industry, how do you think it's really had an impact on guest experience? Yeah, so, so, you know, our, our product basically, um, We've, we've got a, a platform of, of products called our Connect Smart platform. And our, our company really started as a, a best of breed kitchen display solution. So we were kind of truly uh, behind the scenes operational technology. It was um, back in actually 1996, um, our, our founder, uh, noticed a need in in the quick service space uh, for kind of taking printers out of the mix or written handwritten tickets out of the mix and using um, you know display monitors in their place um, which which really was you know there there were a lot of benefits um, which made it interesting for restaurants one was just you know uh, accuracy food quality coordination of food you know improved speed of service and then just getting rid of all the mistakes that you'd have with, you know, printed tickets or handwritten tickets. So that that was kind of where where we started was the the kitchen display space, and it, you know, first started with quick service, and then we we kind of pivoted and 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 moved into the table service space, and really made made a name for ourselves uh, in table service. Um, to, today we're actually in. Uh, like 20 of the top 25 table service chains uh, in the States use our product. So it quickly kind of, yeah, quickly became uh, pretty widespread. Mm-hmm. And then, and then from there, we, we leveraged uh, a lot of those relationships we had with the, these big corporate chains to build out um, a table management and reservations product. And um, from there, we kind of expanded to, uh, you know, other add-ons that, that kind of turned this thing into a platform, things like a recipe management that you could, that you could tack on top of the kitchen display system or, um, you know, online wait listing, online reservations. Um, and, and, you know, our latest thing has been an off-premise management app as, you know, the, as COVID hit and everything kind of shifted off-premise. We, More kind we of ghost up. kitchen, is that what you mean? Um, no, like uh, for takeout, takeout, takeout curbside delivery, you know, managing all those orders and communicating with the guests in terms of, you know, the status of their order and everything else. So it, what kind of started as, you know, a, an in-store operational uh, thing, it's kind of expanded out, like you said, to, uh, to touch the, the guests of the restaurant, yeah. you know, so it's, it's really turned into something much bigger. So are, is your goal as a company to affect operations or to affect guest experience, or is there a balance between the two? It's, it's really, a, a, it's a balance between the two, right? So it's, 
It's, you know, on, on the kitchen side of things, it's getting that food out uh, as soon as possible and, and making your, uh, your cooks and your chefs, um, you know, giving them the ability to, to succeed. And then from the guest side, it's, um, you know, it, it's streamlining that guest experience. So it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, you've, you've, um, you've seen this kind of shift in focus to, I, I call it convenience technology, um, where it, it almost seems like once COVID hit, it became uh, much more um, into focus, but it, it's things like, you know, examples of that would be, you know, the QR codes that kind of made their resurgence for menus at the table mm -hmm. or at, adding your name to the wait list, pay at the table was, a, you know, a big convenience one, you know, the, the online ordering has, has blown up, um, curbside for, for, uh, you know, picking up your food has blown up. So all these, um, kind of convenience technology initiatives kind of came into focus now, um, you know, where before it was, it, it was all about the operational, you know, like, you know, labor and inventory and in-store in, in point of sale. It's, it's interesting, like point of sale in general, it's become much more of a online, cloud-based delivery, like the, the focus has kind of shifted a lot um, versus kind of that traditional in-store in, in point of sale that was kind of the, the heartbeat of the restaurant, you know, a decade ago, so. Yeah, no doubt. The um, so the staff now in hospitality has become super dependent on all of the technology. Do you think that's good for the for the industry or not so much? <laughs> yeah, do, I think do we forget the fundamentals of how to do the things, right? If we're yeah. on technology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, it's good and bad. Um, it, it, it's funny. I was talking to some colleagues uh, this past week about um, kind of the importance of our solution has now, um, it, it's even more important to restaurants now. We keep hearing about labor issues. You know, I, I read that Taco Bell was doing drive-through interviews for trying to hire, you know, thousands of people. And, and all these restaurants now are, are, as people are kind of coming back, are, are trying to hire uh, people out of unemployment and get people back into their restaurants to work. So it's in that sense, that's where the technology helps from a training aspect, right? So all these te technology tools make it so much easier to, to onboard somebody, um, you know, specifically ours where it's, you know, uh, it's much easier to, to be a cook in a kitchen where it's feeding you the information on when to cook it and you're not having to to think as much or pull up a recipe card and show you how to make it and, and all those kind of things where it's, it's, uh, it's a lot easier from that standpoint. Does it really but, go to that level of detail? Fire the steak now? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yep. So with, with uh, quick service implementations, it's, it's a little simpler because it's usually all the food just shows up immediately, but one of the big um, kind of features that helped lead the way in the table service world was the coordination of the food. So it was all based on cook times. Um, so it would say, um, you know, the, the well done steak takes, you know, 13 minutes to make and this, this sandwich only takes six minutes to make. So let's show the steak first and then the sandwich later so that they both get completed at the same time. And that was 
that was kind of the big, um, you know, eye opener for a lot of these restaurants that had been running their restaurants on, on paper for so long is they would have this high paid uh, chef that was barking at all the cooks on when to drop what. Um, and they, they, they would allow that chef now to not have to QB the kitchen and it would, the system would basically take care of itself. It would just uh, show it to you when you needed to make it and show, show the items in the order you needed to make them. And then the beauty was, you know, you mark in our system all these touch points. So it ties back to the data on the back end. So how long did it take the cook to acknowledge that they've started making it? How long from when they hit the button to say they started it to when they finished it? How long did the food sit in the window before it went out to the table in a table service restaurant or before the guests picked it up for, for takeout? So um, it, how many it, screens end up behind the scenes in the kitchen? And obviously, I said, how many screens end up behind the scenes uh, in the kitchen? It depends. So it, and of course, some, on size of restaurant, but yeah, yeah. If you look at some of our uh, um, restaurants with, with gigantic kitchens, multiple lines, you can see, you know, up to 20 screens in a kitchen. Wow. Um, we actually did a, a cruise ship where we had uh, like 100 screens on board. So it, it can be as few as, you know, some restaurants will only have one screen, you know, if it's a very small, small thing, they just, it's a very simple thing and they just show it back on one screen that they just want to see it and track it that way. But usually it's in the neighborhood of, uh, you know, I'd say five to eight kind of would be a typical restaurant. That's pretty cool to be able to think about that. The, the picture in my head is, you know, Gordon Ramsay in Hell's Kitchen, right? Yelling at everybody about the cook times and things coming up to the past, right? It's just. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. I need a lot of yelling. I did uh, implementations for many years uh, before I settled into the role I'm in now. So I had the opportunity to travel all around and, and kind of train and, and get our solution into restaurants. And I would always get a kick out of, A, how quickly people would, would catch on to it. They'd be very nervous to do a whole different way of, of their business. But they would the day one, they would typically get right on it. It was that easy to use. But everyone was always so shocked at how much more quiet it made their kitchens because it, people weren't yelling at each other anymore. They were just head down taking care of what they needed to do. And um, it, it you know, made it much more quiet environment. Yeah, no doubt. Probably a lot less stressful too. Yeah. You don't have to figure out what's going on, right? It just kind of tells you and then you can focus on the things that you're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. What do you think's next from a technology perspective for hospitality? I mean, we have, we've seen the kind of surgence, surgence a word without the re of delivery and curbside and all that stuff with the pandemic. We wouldn't have been able to predict that, you know, five years ago. What comes next? Yeah, I think... Um... I think a lot of it is probably going to be uh, personalization. Um, that, those seem to be trends. Um, well, I like that one from a Certistar perspective. That's all we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great prediction. Everybody yeah, listen You hear about uh, like a lot of the big brand, you know, fast food companies are, are purchasing other uh, technology vendors to help with, with some of that, you know, drive through personalization, AI, predictive ordering, uh, and then, and then, you know, just that guest experience thing, things around the guest experience, things like um, real-time communication and feedback with your guests. Like that's been a big push of ours too, is, um, you know, SMS messaging or order tracker or things like that. As far as I've, I've placed an online order 
you know, where is it in the, in the process? You know, the early adopter there that everyone talks about was, was Domino's. Um, but, but you see more and more of that now when you're doing online ordering is, um, an accurate representation of when I expect the order to be ready. And then let me monitor the order along the way and, and notify me when it's ready for pickup. Um, like communication coming towards me that way, right? Although it does drive me crazy. I feel like the delivery services are particularly <laughs> bad at predicting when things are coming, right? But I don't want to have to talk back. Uh, I don't yeah. want to respond. Yeah. Part of me just wants to see the information and wait for my order to show up. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other one too, I found interesting is, um, location awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that seems to, and that kind of goes into the, that whole conversation again, but, you know, especially if I'm coming to, uh, pick up my food, you know, let the restaurant know where I am, um, let the restaurant oh. know, know where I am so that they can prepare the food or have it bagged at the right time. Um, you know, there's a lot of restaurants are starting to do that with fast food. And, and you know, when you get to the drive through, they want to have the food ready for you. Um, you're seeing that more with with uh, table service as well. Um, and and even an like one, maybe a little bit big brothery, though, I wonder how people would respond <laughs> to that. Yeah, I think people in general are getting a little bit more comfortable with um, with sharing their location, you know, when, when the app pops up or when you're on your, on your phone and you're, you're placing it through a web and it asks you, you know, quickly asks you, uh, are you okay with us, you know, tracking? It seems like more and more people are getting more comfortable with, with doing that, but that's the balance, right? It's, uh, there's a know. lot of trust you're placing in companies that you don't have any, um, influence over whatever, right? Like you're really trusting them not to do anything nefarious with that data or to sell it. Right. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and the listening too. That's the other one. When any, whenever an app's like, can we have access to your microphone? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Just start getting those targeted ads about something you uh, mentioned in your house. You know, this happened to me the other day. Literally, I did not say it out loud. I had a thought <laughs> in my head, like, on the inside yeah. of my head, because a lot of the, so a lot of the movie theaters are renting out movie theaters right now. It's totally off topic, but that's okay. Uh, um, so you can just kind of have a private viewing because they're just, you know, like everybody else trying to make the best of the space that they have in, in the space where we find ourselves. And I thought, oh gosh, this would be a good plan for this weekend. And then all of a sudden the advertisement started showing up and I was like, I did not say this out loud to anybody. Yeah, it's creepy. A little creepy. Yeah. Yeah, but it happens. But the the big brothery stuff, I don't disagree. I think people are getting more comfortable with it. But at some point, we've got to be able to communicate what's happening with that data and, you know, behind the scenes and what it's being used for and how long it's being kept around for, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know? Yeah. So I thought it was interesting in kind of researching about you and preparing for this, if you will. The first company I was with, I was there 16 years, right? And people used to say to me, nobody stays at companies that long anymore, Shandy. It's time to go. You got to go do something else or people are going to think, you know, bad things about you or whatever. And I was like, that makes no sense to me. Like if you're doing well at a company and you're moving up and you're affecting good change, why wouldn't you stay? Mm -hmm. You've had a long career at QSR. I would imagine that you hear that same type of thing along the way from people, right? Right now, it doesn't, it's definitely a shift. People are staying in jobs a year, two years, three years, and then hopping. 
some of us, you know, maybe value loyalty a little bit more. What are your thoughts and how do you think we should go going forward? What should be the way that people think about it? Yeah, I mean, just speaking for myself, I've, um, I've had a lot of different jobs within or roles, I should say, within QSR. So I think it's made, um, made it interesting for me where I've gotten to kind of experience several different things. I, I kind of started on the support side and, and then did QA where I really got the chance to learn the product and, and some product management. And then I, I moved into implementations and, and some kind of technical sales. So I've done, I've done several different things, but at the end of the day, I, I've always, uh, I, I, I love the company I work for and I love the people that I work with. And that, that is both the people within our company and, and um, the customers that I've worked with that I've built relationships throughout the year. So one thing that's kind of, you know, fun about the role I have is, you know, my job now is to make sure that our customers, you know, once the sale is made by our, our sales staff, my job is to make sure the customers install, use, uh, and are supported uh, in, in terms of our product and, and are getting the most out of it. So I, I get the chance to, you know, see uh, all different types of restaurants and, and solve all sorts of challenges. You know, we, we try and take a consultative approach in terms of helping restaurants get the most out of our solution. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, um, it's not one of those jobs where uh, you get, I've, I've gotten burned out or bored with uh, because it seems like it's a new challenge um, constantly. And I've, you know, I've, I've enjoyed sticking with it and we've got, you know, it's, it is a mix, you know, it seems like uh, almost maybe the younger generation now, not that I'm an old man, but the, the kids coming more out of college or in their early twenties are more apt to, um, have kind of a shorter time span, you know, like my dad's generation, it was very common for uh, my, my, my father worked at, um, at KFC Yum Brands for 40 years um, and he retired there. And, and it seems like that was more common. So yeah. I think you, you still see kind of both sides of it. Um, but we do, one thing we are proud of at, at QSR is we've got really good retention and we've got, you know, we don't have much turnover, much better than the overall industry. So that, that is something that we're proud of. That's awesome. So what does customer success encompass there? What role is that? Yeah, yeah so I, I lead a bunch of groups. Um, it's, like I, I said, it, it's basically everything that touches the customer downstream from sales. So we do um, kind of account management, um, our, our implementations, training, um, uh, support. Um, that's, I think that's the pro uh, project management. So, so it's really, um, you know, the, the typical thing is the, a new case would get handed to us from the salespeople after they make the sale. And then it's on my team to start having regular calls with the customer to kind of take them through the process of getting it installed in their first restaurant and then hopefully helping them roll it out to the rest of their restaurants and then supporting it for many years after that. And then, and then it's just a constant, um, you know, as we continue to innovate, we're going back to those same customers and making sure they're aware of the new features and products that we have that, that could help their business. That's really cool. So, I mean, you're a leader, you've got a, a big team that works for you. What's your favorite part um, of, of leading a team of people, humans? 
Yeah, I, I just like um, kind of motivating people, getting everybody kind of marching in the same direction. And I'm very, um, I'm very customer focused. Um, I always have been. It's always uh, kind of take care of the customer first, worry about, uh, you know, red tape later. We need to make sure that, you know, and that goes for, you know, our support team. It's like, yeah. let's just do everything we can to get the customer taken care of. Cause I've been on the other side of that, right? I've been not, not that I've worked for a restaurant, but I've been in enough restaurants where when things go wrong, that's their whole world. Right. And if, if, uh, if, if they need help, they need help, you know, as soon as possible, it's, it's very important to take care of them. So. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, how do you hire for that mentality of customer first, customer always? Yeah, it's, um, you can, you can typically get a lot of that through the interview process. Um, you know, we, we're, we're recruiting people uh, and I always, I always kind of lean on the side of, um, the soft skills, you know, making sure that, uh, our, our people on my team can talk to, uh, can handle themselves in front of customers, can handle pressure, can talk to people. Um, you know, I'm not so much worried about, um, your, your history with, uh, you know, actual product or, or experience or things like that. I can, I can help develop, um, those types of things. It's more, um, it's the soft skills that mean more to me. Yeah. How do you figure that out in the interview process? Uh, just by the way, honestly, by the way, they carry themselves. Um, do you throw you like can... angry questions at them? Just <laughs> Yeah. Or scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing quite like a really angry customer calling you, right? And you're like, I didn't do it. Like, yeah. I, how, do you, how do you make sure? Do you have like specialists for angry customers? It, no. Um, <laughs> our, our support staff is, is uh, they're, they're awesome. So they're. By the way, I don't mean to imply that, you know, the software is not good. I'm, it's amazing, right? But there's no. always the angry customer who's in the middle of a stressful situation. Yeah. That phone call doesn't go well, right? I was, I, I, I hate to tell this story because I, it, it makes it sound like our products aren't, aren't, uh, reliable, but no, no, no. I, I always, I always like to tell, I always every like to tell like person who has ever worked in any kind of anything really knows that good things sometimes have issues and certainly like scenario wise, you know, customers are going to find themselves in situations where they need help, right? The, yeah. Every company, your software is yeah. Yeah, I was I was on uh, on the West Coast early on in my career doing implementations, and we had just launched a new version product of our, our kitchen solution. Mm -hmm. And and I was at one one chain, and and it was a little rocky, but we kind of got them off the ground, and everything seemed to be good. And so the next night, I went down to another chain that we were launching, and as I was there for on-site support. Um, everything kind of started going haywire, uh, with, uh, with our, with our, with our software. So I had, a uh, the chef basically yelling, pleading with me on, we need to get this back online. What can you do to help? And my phone rings and it was the other customer that I was with the night before at the exact same moment, they were going through the same thing. So it was, that was probably the one time I was questioning, uh, <laughs> is this job right for me? But but obviously we, we, uh, you know, as we, you, you got to roll your sleeves up and, and figure it out and get it taken care of. And 
and uh, that's what we did. And, and luckily, yeah. our, our product's been much more stable over the last uh, several years. So, no, it, I, I'm sure that it was stable then too. So again, <laughs> situationally, you know, software just kind of nature of the beast. Sometimes TVs don't work, right? It just kind of yep. it is. That's yep. how you don't even need technology. Sometimes the horse doesn't want to walk. Yeah. Whatever, everything goes wrong sometimes. Um, what's the like most entertaining customer success story or customer service story? I, I'm fascinated with call centers, right? I think it's so great, like the things that these guys go through and women. Oh, what's man. the best story? What's kind of the one that's up on the wall that you tell new employees about? I I like uh, there was one that I did where um, I was supposed to go to this uh restaurant that was um i was supposed to be taking live and there was a there was a, a language barrier it was in a different country so it was a little confusing in terms of the details that we had but as i sh as i showed up which would would be typical in the states it you you're basically the restaurant's either opening or just about to open and you're training staff and you know you're ready to go well, this one was still uh, still being built, so it was a total kind of miscommunication in terms of w where that was, and it was they were underprepared, everything else. Uh, we ended up sitting on a on a, a a bench inside the kitchen as they're building it around us, kind of configuring and working and 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 doing that. And the second day I was there. Uh, the, they were welding something on the roof of the, on the restaurant and the entire kitchen caught on fire. <laughs> so Stop. we had to, yeah, it was, it was something else. It was, uh, there's always trips like that. There was a, another one that I always laugh at was, a, a, another employee was going on a gig somewhere and they, sh they show up to the address. And the only thing that was there was a sign in the field that said, this restaurant will be opening, uh, you know, they were <laughs> on their way to the restaurant and, there was nothing there but a sign saying it was going to be open in six months. So you never know That's what you're going to crazy. get. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. So just to shift over, I mean, we talked a little bit about how the pandemic has affected, you know, restaurant technology, curbside, blah, blah, blah. How's it affected running such a team? How was it, you know, pivoting everybody to work from home and how are you now getting everybody back? Where are you? Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great one. Um, Luckily, we were in pretty good shape heading into it. Um, we, even our support team, we were set up uh, to allow them to work from home if they needed to. So we do some odd things with our shifts and we would have certain people on call. So we pretty much had our whole support staff to where they could work from home. So it was a pretty easy pivot there. And, and the rest of the organization had um, you know, mobile computers and, or, you know, laptops and things of that nature. So it was pretty easy to, to shift to that. So, um, that, that part of it we handled, you know, we missed obviously the face-to-face -face interaction. Um, but as far as the, the company, we didn't really miss a beat in terms of, of shifting to that. We're actually in the process now of, uh, building, uh, a brand new building. We're, we're spread across, uh, three different buildings right now in, in Louisville, um, and we're moving all under one roof into a, nice. a brand new state-of-the-art facility that's going to open this summer. So we're that's excited nice to, way to bring everybody back to the office. Yeah, we're excited to kind of bring bring everybody back. We're starting to see some more people come back. Um, we're going to stay pretty flexible in terms of kind of what the new normal is, you know, where people were more 
working five days a week from the office, we're probably going to see more of a mix of, you know, maybe it'll be two to three days for some people. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how it, how it ends up, you know, I think, yeah. I think it'll be a different world ahead, but I do think a lot of people are going to kind of gravitate back to the office. Um, you know, people appreciate the flexibility of working from home, but I still think a lot of people, um, you know, you miss the, the, water cooler talk or the overhearing conversations and, and just the interaction, the face-to-face -face a lot of people crave. So, yeah, I mean, I've worked from home since 2004. So this whole thing was another day <laughs> in the beach, right? Less meetings outside the house, that's for sure. And now I'm a Zoom yeah. expert, but um, yeah. I think it'll depend a lot on how schools handle things, right? So mm -hmm. where you could kind of send your kid to school with a cold before, now they're home for however many mm -hmm. days, you know, and every school is a little bit different. And certainly being able to work from home makes that a lot easier. I think that's pretty yeah. cool that you guys are flexible. All right. Yeah. Tell everybody how to connect with you and with QSR Automations Online. Yeah. So um, the best way to find QSR is at our website, um, www.qsrautomations.com. We also have all the um, social media channels, uh, Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and, and on and on. Um, I, I also have a, uh, a Twitter account myself. Um, it's underscore Brian Wayne underscore. So underscores at the, the start and the end of it. Too many Brian Waynes out there. I didn't get in fast enough, apparently. But um, and, and I use that primarily. Uh, it's not an official sanctioned QSR account, but I use it as a um, all my tweets and retweets or whatnot are industry related. I don't I don't really use it for personal use, but. Perfect. All right. Yep. So then, as you know, I like to wrap all these episodes up with two truths and a lie. So we're not going to tell them which one is not true. All right. All right. So, Brian, two things that are true, one thing that is not, not necessarily in that order. And don't let us know. Listeners, if you want to know which of these things is not true, you're going to have to ask in the social media comments or on your favorite podcast platform. Brian, take it away. All right, so I'm going to make this, um, I'm going to make it travel themed um, for all the, the travel that I've had the opportunity to do at QSR. So we'll, let's, uh, the first one we'll do is um, I was chased by a monkey in Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> the second one is I was bitten by a scorpion in Peru. Not just travel the, related, but animal and travel related. It, yeah, there you go. Right. And the and the third is uh, a bird pooped on my head while walking to work in Buenos Aires. Nice. If you were in Italy, they'd think that that was good luck. I love it. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you so much for being here. This has been super interesting. I love talking about technology and hospitality, and you sit right at the crossroads of that. So thank you. Uh, listeners, thanks for being here. As always, this has been the Shandyland podcast. It is always a pleasure. And Brian, thank you so much. Thank you again, Shandy. I really enjoyed it.